table is where life happens. It's where imagination runs wild. Where lessons are learned. And wonders are built. The table is where time can stop. Where wounds are comforted. And freedom begins. It's where we find peace. And we laugh till it hurts. The table is where we gather with family, new and old, to share stories, to nourish our bodies, to enrich our souls. The table is where we give thanks and where we remember what great gifts we have been given. Good morning. Good morning. We're glad you're here this morning. I love that video, and one reason is because my story, I can relate to that. I don't know if you can relate to that or not, but uh, in a world that's sometimes filled with chaos, sometimes it's the table, and for many of you, it's the kitchen table that you're able to come to where conversations happen, dialogue takes place, and decisions are made, and things are made sense of. I know, remember as a kid, the table for me was a place that grades always seemed to got talk, get talked about at the table. And sometimes that was not a very good conversation, uh, like many of you. And also at the table, it seems to be where discipline was handed out or administered at the table uh, there with my dad. And also the table was a place where, as the video said, laughter took place, where we ate meals together and we shared and, and we talked. And the table is a special place. Even in, as an adult, the table men, has meant a lot to me, coming to a kitchen table. That was the place where I sit down and ask Robert and Carolyn Hammond, may I ask your daughter to marry me, was at the table. It was at the table early in our marriage that I sit down and stressed out about how in the world am I going to pay all these bills with this amount of money and, and finances got figured out. It's at the table that we share stories and share life. And I don't know about you, but maybe you can resonate that it's at the table that life seems to kind of come together and make sense and kind of helps us refocus for the next day. Now, with that said, that's why today we're talking about this table, the Lord's table. And we talk about the Lord's table, we're talking about the place where we come to take of the Lord's Supper. We take of the, the bread that represents the body and the juice that represents the blood of Christ and that he shed for us. And it's at the table that we're able to come as believers and it just kind of makes sense to us. See, it's at the table we come and, and we see the love of God, right? You know, one thing that I guess the more I know, the older I get is that sometimes we say we love things, and that word love sometimes can be very shallow and a very hollow word, can it? I love this and I love that, but the truth of the matter is those words are shallow and they're hollow and we somehow love our spouse and love chocolate cake as if they're on the same wavelength, right? Or we love God and we love our dog as if there's some competition that, we, that that's even and that's not true. And when I come to the table, though, what makes sense is that God loves me, right? And when you think about the body that was beaten 
and the blood that was shed, the last thing that comes to my mind is shallow and hollow. For God so loved the world that he gave. And when I come to the table, one thing, and the missing, when, even when my life is in chaos and nothing makes sense, when I come to the table, I'm reminded, and what does make sense is that God loves me. And when I come to the table, something that makes sense is my need for Jesus. I'm reminded every time that I take the supper that I have to take the supper, because, I mean, I have the privilege of taking the supper because of what it stands for. That Jesus died on a cross and his blood was shed for us because of my sin, because of your sin. And every time I come to the table, there's a weight to my soul that I'm coming to the table because of my need for Jesus, my need because I'm a sinner that was in need of a savior. And so when I come to the table, what makes sense is this, is that I can't find my own way to God, I need a savior. And it was through the shed blood and the beaten body of our savior. And when I come to the table, I am reminded there is only one way to God. You can study any religion in the world, and here's what you're going to find out. Everybody's going to tell you what you have to do, how good you need to be, the path you need to walk to get to God. And when you come to the gospel of Jesus Christ, here's what you find out. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Through me happens when we come to the table. We're reminded that through the shed blood and the beaten body of Jesus, that he was the only way of salvation. But also when I come to the table, not only does it kind of help make sense of some things like the, his love for me and my need for him, but also when I come to the table, it helps me kind of refocus the passions in my life. I don't know about you, but I, I live, I, my life is sometimes just crazy. Anybody agree with that? Your life crazy? Just, want, just Travis, okay, anybody else? Yeah? <laughs> chaotic, hectic, and you, you know, you think there's times there's gonna be seasons of life where things slow down, but it's in those slow moments that they seem to even speed up a little bit more. But when I come to the table, when I come to the Lord's table, the place where things make sense, it's also a place that helps me refocus some stuff, refocus my life, because when I come to the table, I'm reminded of my need to live for Christ, that if he was, real, if he was willing to shed his blood for me, and in the midst of the, the depravity and the sin in my life goes, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If he was willing to shed his blood and allow his body to be beaten on my behalf, should I not, as a follower of Jesus, commit to really living for him? Yes, we should. And when I come to the table, it's a reminder to me of how I'm doing in living for Christ. Am I really bought out and bought into selling and living for him? Or am I just kind of casually going through life wearing the Jesus label and the Christian tag? Or am I really living for him? But when I come to the table, it also helps me refocus. The only fact that, you know, my need to live for him. But listen to this, my need to share him. We live in a messed up world. Now listen, you thought the election was messed up. The fallout from the election is demonic at best, what's going on. And I'm just telling you, we live in a world that's lost and that's broken, but if you're a Christian, we have the answer. And it's Jesus. And when I come to the table, and when we come to the table today, in a few moments, I pray that not only do we realize our need to really live for him, but our need to share 
him. Our need to let people know that they do have hope. There is an answer, and it's found not in a uh, politician or a policy or uh, a parent or anything else. It's found in a person, and that person is Jesus. So today we're going to come to the table, and we're going to take of the juice, and we're going to take of the bread, and we're going to think about all that Jesus did for us. We're going to come and enjoy the table. But before we do, and the reason we're doing this today is because I really want us to refocus. I really, I really want us to take a hard look at our lives and go, am I living for him? Am I sharing him? Am I really doing all that God wants me to do? And if not, the table should help us refocus that. But before we take the supper, I want us to look at a passage of Scripture. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It's a passage, and the Apostle Paul writes to the church of Corinth, and he, he, he kind of he encourages them with some things, as you're going to find out, but he also kind of chastises them over some things. But it's in 1 Corinthians 11 that we find really kind of three essential things that we need to think about before we come to the table today. And the first one's found in verse 23 through 25. And it says this, Paul writes, For I have received from the Lord what I also deliver to you. But the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he gave him thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way he also took the cup. And after saying this, he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. One of the things that Paul's trying to communicate to a church that's really not getting it is this, that when you come to the table, one thing you need to think about is when you come to the table, it's a time of remembering. It's a time to remember. The Lord's Supper is a memorial to our Savior. It is a time to sit back in moments and to remember all that he's done. One of my, remember is one of my favorite words. You've been around here very long, you know that I like that word a lot, and I talk about it a lot, because when you remember something, it's very, very powerful. But when you go back to the Old Testament, I love those moments when God told Israel, hey, Israel, remember, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Don't forget me, Israel. Remember what I've done for you. Oh, all throughout the Old Testament, you see God telling Israel to remember. But then you come to the New Testament, and you have Jesus. And a couple different occasions, Jesus tells his disciples, I want you to remember some things. In fact, one time after in Mark's gospel, when Jesus fed 5,000 people, they get on the boat. It says when they get on the boat, they had very little bread. And as they start sailing away, they begin to look around and going, we don't have any bread. We have very little here. What are we going to do about the bread? And they begin to fight over who forgot the leftover bread that was on the shore. I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine your kids little and they're all blaming each other? That was what the disciples did. It was, Peter, it was your fault. Well, John, it was your fault. Well, it had to be Andrew. He was really young. He probably wasn't paying attention at all. I mean, they're all blaming each other. And then Jesus says this, remember. When I took the bread and fed the 5,000? Remember when I took care of the situation? Remember when I, and Jesus over and over again kept saying, remember when I, remember when I, remember when I. And in that moment, the disciples were focused, had to focus on remembering what Jesus had done. The reason I love the word remember is because when I am called to remember, it reminds me of where I've been, but it reminds me of what God has done for me. And we come to the table, it is a time to remember. Now, what are some things that we need to remember today? And so I want you, I want you to listen very attentively because there's some things that we need to remember this morning. And the first one we find in the book of Philippians chapter two. Read that for us, Melissa. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, 
though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. You know one thing we need to remember? It's the God of the universe became one of us, didn't he? He loved us so much that he sent his son to step out of glory and come to this earth. I love what Paul says. He says, realizing that you, I, I can't even imagine, you, you understand that you didn't have any idea how to equate what's going on here. Here's what God had to do. He sent his son and he became a servant. And his son came knowing to serve, but he became obedient and to be even to the point of death on a cross. He said, God became us. And I hope we don't forget that today. I hope you don't forget that the God who spoke six times and created the earth and created mankind and created everything that we see and everything we know loved us so much not to operate from a distance, but to become one of us. John 1.1 says this, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. Verse 14 says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became one of us. Because he loved us that much. May we remember that. Another thing we need to remember found in 1 Peter chapter 2. Travis, read that for us. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and to live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Jesus took our sins. I think there's one thing we can agree with in the room is that we are all sinners. The Bible says, for all of sin and all have fallen short of the glory of God. The problem is this. Many of us think that we can work hard enough, long enough, and do enough that somehow God will look at our good versus bad and somehow go, okay, I'm going to say okay to you because you did more good than bad. That verse reminds me that my sin leads me to death and only one person could take on my sin. Only one person could handle the weight of my sin and that was Jesus and he did that for us. Please hear me this morning. I don't care how messed up you are or how bad you think your life is or how much you think I've got to get cleaned up before I come to God. That verse reminds you, you don't clean anything up. All you do is come to the Savior named Jesus and trust him with your heart and he took on and will take on your sin. He did that for you. May we not forget that. Another thing we shouldn't forget is found in Isaiah chapter 53. Jeannie, read that for us. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Think about that. All of us have gone astray. 
And instead of God casting judgment on us and going, you know what, you can't pay the sin debt. I'm gonna be done with you. I'm gonna cast you eternally into hell because you know, you're just that bad. He said, no, what I'm gonna do is this, is that for those of you that trust Jesus as your Lord, I'm going to dump all his, your sin on him. He took on what? The iniquity of us all. He just didn't take our sins. He took them on. In fact, if you remember this, when Jesus hung on the cross, there was a powerful moment when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, you know why he said that? Because in that moment, he was taking on the weight of the sin of the world. And in that moment, God loved us so much and Jesus loved us so much that while he's taking on the weight of the sin of the world, that father turned his eyes from his son. And for the first time in all eternity and the last time, the father and son had a split. The father could not look on the sin that the son was bearing and he turned his eyes from Jesus. That verse reminds me, listen, the magnitude of the Father's love. He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. It's by his stripes that we're healed. May we never forget the magnitude of his love for us. Another thing we need to remember is in 1 Peter chapter one. Alan, would you read that for us? So it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially, According to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you are ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb, without blemish or spot. I was ransomed. You were ransomed. There was a debt that had to be paid and Jesus took our place. Jesus took on the weight of our sin. Jesus, that verse reminds me that Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. No longer would they have to go to temples and offer lambs. Jesus was the lamb of God for our sins. And he was slaughtered for us. Are you beginning to figure out what we need to be remembering? Now listen, you say, Doug, why, why are you laboring this so much? Here's why. Because too many times I grew up in church and too many times I felt like in my heart and maybe those around me that just do conversation that sometimes we come to the table and it seems so insignificant. It seems so much like a religious act that I need to do. But we need to take the supper very, very seriously. We need to listen to the words of Paul and realize that Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. That this is a time to remember, to remember that he became one of us. To remember that he took our sins, he took on our sins. He was the ultimate sacrifice. But there's one more thing I think we need to remember. It's found in Matthew chapter 28. Listen to this. It says, now after the Sabbath... Toward the, the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and other Mary went to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. And the angel Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were like white and snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has what? Risen. Risen. He's alive. And when I come to the table, I'm reminded that while he sacrificed his life, he took on the weight of the sin in the world. He took my sin. He bore my sin. He was slaughtered for us. He is not dead. He is alive. And he reigns and he rules over us. Amen? Amen. Here's the best part about it. His story is my story. 
that he three days later rose from the grave and one day I'm gonna leave this earth. But there's gonna be a day that there will be a resurrection of the bodies. Those that knew Christ, their bodies will be resurrected and will be fit for all eternity. His story's my story. So as we remember the death and the price that was paid, let us not forget that he also, he's alive. We don't serve a God that's dead. We serve a God who's alive and active and he is on his throne. It's a time to remember. So let's remember. It's also a time to proclaim. Look with me in verse 26 of chapter 11 of Corinthians. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns or until he comes back. So when we take the supper, not only is it a time of remembering, it's a time of proclaiming. When we take the supper, we're proclaiming who we belong to. When I take the bread and I take the juice, I'm saying literally, I belong to Jesus. There's been a moment in my life that I've surrendered my life and I've trusted him as the Lord and the Savior of my life. I belong to him. I am his and he is mine. I am his child and I will spend my days living for him. I am proclaiming that when I come to the table. I'm also proclaiming where my identity is found. It's not found in my title. It's not found in my marital status. It's not found as being a parent. It's not found in anything else other than the fact that I am Christ Jesus' servant and follower of him. That's where my identity is found. And when I come to the table, I am proclaiming what Jesus has done for me. But not just for me. What he's done for everybody else. And when I come to the table, I'm proclaiming that we have hope in a world that's filled with hopelessness because of what Jesus has done. So when we come to the table in a moment, it's a time of remembering, it's a time of proclaiming, and one last thing, it's a time to examine. Listen to me real carefully on verse 27. Paul says this, and this is where it gets really sticky for the Corinthian church, and maybe for us today. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner, underline that in your Bible, an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats, drinks, judgment on themselves. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves or examined, we would truly not be judged. But when we are judged, the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. In other words, Paul says, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a moment before you take this supper, this time of remembering, this time of proclaiming, also make it a time of examining. I want you to take a close look at your heart before you take the supper. Now, why would Paul tell the Corinthian church this? Because the Corinthian church, if you read the book of Corinthians, you just know they were really messed up. I and mean, they had a lot of things wrong. And one thing they were doing, they were having these meals and they were inviting everybody to come. And if you were somebody in the community, everybody was eating these meals. And the people that were nobodies were serving these meals. And Paul says, you're messing up the Lord's Supper. You've come to the table and you're screwing this all thing up. I mean, you're totally messing it up. And he says, when you come to the table, you need to examine yourself. Here's one reason why. This really was more of a warning to the church of Corinth. It was a warning, first of all, to the lost people. There were people that were in the church of Corinth who did not have a relationship with Christ. They were coming and they were eating at this table, the Lord's table, and they were just devouring things. They were just eating all they wanted to eat and had no concern or care for why they were taking it. They were just taking it. And Paul says, you can't do that. When you take the supper in an unworthy manner, God is going to deal with that. So when Paul writes this, he's warning those that are lost. He's saying, listen, the supper, the Lord's supper, the juice and the bread are for those that are, for, that are believers. That's who the supper's for. 
Because if you don't know Jesus, you can't celebrate something you've never received. So don't take of the supper is what he's telling them. Now, the same thing's true for us today. In a moment, we're going to take the supper. And if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, here's what I'm going to ask you. Just let it pass by you. Now, we're, I, I don't want you to feel alienated or anything, but listen, more important than you struggling with whether you should take it or not if you don't know Christ, I'd rather you struggle with the message of God's love for you. I'd rather you wrestle today with not the supper, but Jesus loves me. That In fact, that I sin and I rebel and, and, I, and I'm, I, just, I'm just, I walk away from him. I don't care for the things of God. I just want you to wrestle with the fact that you're loved today. And more important than you wrestling with why I take the supper or not, you just need to know there's a father who loves you that sent his son, and if you will just receive him, you will have eternal life. That's, if you don't know Christ today, that's what I want you to do. But this warning wasn't just for the lost, it was also for those that were wondering in their faith, those that were, that were struggling in their faith. He tells them, say, listen, I, I want you to examine yourself. Because there were people in the church of Corinth that were coming to the table and they had sin in their life and nothing, I mean, they were doing nothing about it and they were just taking the Lord's Supper. And Paul says, no. When you come to the table, maybe you've been warning away from God, but when you come to the table, I want you to check your heart. And if there's sin in your life, just repent that to God. Just say, God, I want to turn from that sin. God, I want to be right with you. I want our fellowship to be connected again. And so it was a warning to those people. It was also a warning because there were people in the church of Corinth that were coming along, taking the supper, and didn't care what it meant. They, they just knew it was a free meal, and they would go eat. And it was a warning for those that were taking the supper lightly. Because when you take the supper as if it doesn't mean anything, you are de, you're de, basically dismissing it, and you're diminishing the value of the Lord's Supper. So Paul says, listen, I want you to examine yourself. And if you don't know Jesus, don't worry about taking the supper. Think about the message of Christ and what he's done for you. But if you are a follower of Jesus, I want you to take the supper. But here's what I want you to do first. I want you to examine yourself. And if you've wandered away, if you've strayed away, repent. And if you're struggling and you take this supper, you've taken it lightly over times past, today, would you take it seriously? Because when we come to the table, this is a beautiful reminder of the ultimate love that we've experienced. Amen? The body that was beaten and the blood that was shed. And here's what we're going to do this morning, a little bit different. I want to give you a chance to do all three things that we've talked about today. Remember, proclaim, and examine. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And all I want you to do during that time is there's going to be some silence in the room. And I know it's years, silence may be awkward, but, you know, I still think the psalmist was right when he said, be still, know that I am God. I think there's a point to that. And I'm going to ask you just to be silent for a moment and just pray and take a moment just to remember. Remember where you've been. Remember what Jesus has done for you. Remember the blood that was shed and the body that was beaten just so that we might have life. And what you remember. And then after a small time, the band's gonna come and they're gonna lead us and that's gonna be your time to proclaim. By proclaiming, I mean, I want you audibly to proclaim the goodness and the greatness and the love of God. Proclaim it. And then after we've done that, we'll come and we'll examine and then we'll take the supper. So right now, if you just all close your eyes and just bow your heads, I want you just to take a moment. Ignore the person beside you. Ignore what's going on and just take a moment and remember.
remember. Amen. You have a seat for just a moment. I don't know about you, but when you remember what we just sang about and you proclaim what we just proclaimed, it's emotional, isn't it? It's emotional to think about my sins, put him on a cross, but he took them willingly. He said, no one takes my life, I lay it down on my own accord. That's how much he loved us. So I pray that you have spent time remembering, that you spent time proclaiming, and now I'm gonna ask you the third thing, take a moment and take some time to examine. Here's what we're gonna do, our ushers are gonna pass the elements, and as they pass the elements, I'm gonna ask you to do three things. First of all, to hold on to those elements, just hold on to them, we're gonna take it a little bit later together. Second of all, I'm gonna ask you to just keep the spirit of worship and just watch the scripture that's gonna go across the screen and just keep your heart in the right place. And the third thing I'm asking you to do is take this moment to examine. Take a good look at your heart. If you don't know Christ, let it pass and say, Lord, I need to deal with you. And if you do know Christ, make sure you've repented of your sins. Make sure you're taking this seriously. So in a moment as we take it, your heart is ready for it. So let's do that now. Host team, you go ahead and pass it out for us. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it and said, this is my body. Take and eat. Then he took the cup. And he gave thanks. As for this cup, is a new covenant of my blood, which is being poured out for the sins of man. Take and drink. As you take the supper, I pray for those of you, as you've taken it, for those that are followers of Jesus, that there should be a celebration in your soul right now. That you've been forgiven, that you've been redeemed, and that you have Jesus to thank for that. And so just a minute, we're gonna sing one of the most amazing songs of the faith, and I pray that your excitement and your enthusiasm would come out in that. And then maybe for those of you today that maybe don't know if you have a relationship with Christ, today my prayer for you is that you would understand the body that was beaten and the blood that was shed and that's the picture of how much God loves you. And that maybe today for the first time, you would trust Jesus as your Lord and your Savior by just saying, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to come into my life to forgive me and to save me. And if you need to make that decision today, I will be standing right over there. And I would love to tell you about the good news of Jesus and love to be a part of you inviting him into your life. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Everybody stand. Then I'm going to pray. And if you need to trust Jesus, please come talk to me. Talk to someone around you. Or if you're a follower of Jesus, would you just take this time as we sing this last song to celebrate with gratitude in your heart that you have been forgiven, that you have been redeemed. Father, I'll thank you for today. I thank you that we can come to the table today. A table to remember.
a table that we think about, it's a time to proclaim. It's a time to examine our own hearts. But God, I pray for those of us that are believers, as we've remembered, as we've proclaimed and as we've examined and we've thought about the price that was paid, that there's something in us today that would just be loaded with gratitude. That on our best effort, on our best day, with our best energy, we would still be condemned to hell. But because of Jesus and his death on the cross, by putting my faith in him, I now know that I will spend forever and ever and ever and ever and eternity with him. And God, I pray that we have that gratitude. I pray that it comes out in our heart and through our mouth and with our voice today. And I pray for those who don't know you that today, maybe for the first time, a beautiful picture of your love for us has been portrayed. And that today they would not leave this room until they trust Jesus. So God, be with us. May we celebrate you and may some in the room today receive you. For it's in your precious and your glorious son's name we pray. Amen and amen.